because one hour isn't enough. We welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Watt looks up, taps it back. Dodonov in the middle, he shoots, he scores! Jubilation! Vegas in overtime! Watt sets up Dodonov! Knights five, Blackhawks four! Chevrolet, Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios, and live at lvsportsnetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Hour number two of the VGK Insider Show rolling along here on a Thursday, the 5th of May, Cinco de Mayo. Happy Thursday to everybody out there. Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman with you in hour number two, and we'll start off with a little bit of news. Um, This coming from Dave Shane on Twitter. Kelly McCrimmon will return for his fourth season as Golden Knights general manager. Owner Bill Foley said Thursday. So Chapman, it doesn't look like there's going to be any type of change when it comes to the structure of the front office for the Vegas Golden Knights. Obviously, the first year, year number five, the first year in franchise history, the Golden Knights did not make the postseason. Uh, you did wonder, I, I think everybody wondered uh, at least a little bit of of whether or not there'd be any type of changes made, whether it be coaching, whether it be front office, because this is an organization that has tremendous expectations. It's an organization that came into this year expecting to be cup favorites. And, you know, when you don't make the playoffs and you fall short of those expectations, I think it just naturally brings uh, the idea or the thought of, well, will there be changes? And we've, we've come to learn here at least right now, when it comes to general manager Kelly McCrimmon, he's back next year for the Vegas Golden Knights, and it doesn't appear that there's going to be any changes to the front office. Uh, your thoughts, Chris Chapman? Well, I I will say that I think it's probably a good decision by by Bill Foley. Um, I know a lot of people were upset with the way that the season ended, but I, I mean, I think as you grow as a person, and I can remember when I was younger, I was a very emotional guy. And I would make rash decisions based on emotion without actually thinking them out. I mean, I guess to a point I still do that in, in, in some ways. But when it comes to something like this, I think you have to look at everything that transpired. And again, it, it's not an excuse, right? Like we keep hearing, it's not an excuse. But there are reasons as to why this team did not make the playoffs. I think from, from a GM standpoint, if I'm Bill Foley, I like the fact that my general manager is constantly going out and trying to find a way to make my team better. He signed Alex Petrangelo last year. He traded for Mark Stone a couple of years ago. He 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 signed guys like Al Alec Martinez, traded for him, re-signed him. Um, you know, I I, I think and, and then of course this year you you go out and you get a a I don't want to say generational talent, but an elite player in Jack Eichel. And I think from that perspective, the fact that the guy I entrust with going out there and trying to bring me and my city and my team a Stanley Cup, the fact that he's not a guy who sits on his hands and lets other teams dictate the, 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 how they're going to beat you, he goes out there and he tries to dictate to other teams how they're going to finish ahead of them in the standings, how they're going to compete for a Stanley Cup. I think from that perspective, you want the general manager who's going out there and trying to win and doing everything it takes to win. And as the owner, if I'm giving a general manager a blank check, I want him to use every single bit of that salary cap. 
And I think from that perspective, you can't complain about the job that Kelly McCrimmon's done. Look, you could be unhappy about the results this season, but the reality is it's not it's not through anything. It, it, it's it's hard to, to place that blame on the lap of Kelly McCrimmon. So there's a couple of things at play here, right? Like the, the first thing that comes to mind for me is I, I don't really know how you evaluate the 2021-2022 season for the Vegas Golden Knights. I, I just don't. Like, you can evaluate it in chunks. You can see, uh, you know, that that first wave of injuries, how the Golden Knights were able to kind of hold their heads above water, how they were able to kind of improve and, and gain some traction in the Pacific Division. And then, you you know, you get into a situation where it's second and third waves, and all of a sudden you get to the end of the year and you've got Max Pacioretty playing less than half of your game. Same with Mark Stone, same with uh, Jack Eichel, same with Alec Martinez. And all of a sudden you sit there and you say, okay, expectations going in were Stanley Cup contender. But that was not with the idea or the thought in mind that you were going to be missing Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, Alec Martinez, and Jack Eichel at the time. You didn't know he was on your team, but once you got him, you really that's kind of icing on the cake. So maybe I don't use Jack Eichel in that example, but the fact of the matter is your expectations were built around a team that stayed marginally healthy. And when you don't stay marginally healthy and when you don't feel like you've had the ability to see what this collection of players can be when fully healthy, I think you have one of two choices. The, the, you, can either, you can either look at it and say, it doesn't matter, no excuses, we should have found a way, and it's not going to work even at full health, or, you know what, we've spent to the salary cap limit, we want to see what this team can do, so therefore we want to run it back. And I think this more is an indication of, I think, the ideology going into the offseason of where the Golden Knights are and what they want to do for next season than anything else. I think this is a signal of a team that wants another crack at what this roster that has been built over the course of the last four seasons to be incrementally better on the ice than the one previous to it. I think this is an indication that, you know what, we're going to try to cut to get under the salary cap without impacting the core of this team as best we possibly can. And then the hope is that everyone's healthy and you get through 82 games, certainly healthier than you did last year, and you get to see what this roster that's been constructed is capable of doing uh, in those in, 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 in the context of, of a healthy season and hopefully a more rested team going into training camp. Well, you know, we, we, we heard it from Pete DeBoer. We heard it from Alec Martinez. We heard it from Brady McNabb. We heard it from every player and every coach who walked into that room and talked to us on Tuesday morning. And I, I think nothing was more apparent when when Jesse Granger asked Alec Martinez what was the identity or what is the identity of this team, and he said Stanley Cup contender. Like they truly believe from a from the equipment guys all the way up to general manager that they put together a team that when fully healthy will compete for a Stanley Cup. Look, I, I can't fault Bill Foley for, for also buying into that because I, I, I believe that when fully healthy, this is a team that is a very good team, a top five in the league team. All you have to do is go back and look at the last two seasons previous to this. They were in the conference finals the last two years. This is a team that had made three conference finals in four years. Look, that's pretty damn impressive. Yeah, and to be honest, like you don't need to be the best team in the league to win the Stanley Cup, right? Like I think that's kind of a big 
I don't want to say misconception, but something that I think needs to be addressed here is that you don't need to be the going away best team like the Florida Panthers and the Colorado Avalanche were this year. They are among a handful of teams that I think realistically can win the Stanley Cup. And I think that if you can put yourself in a position where you're one of six or seven, that you go into the playoffs, your favorites, you know what you have, you belong in that echelon, then at that point, when you get to the playoffs, it's about everything breaking your way. Like you, you look at the, the you look at the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning. Like the 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 season where they were far and away the best team in the league, and it wasn't even close. They got swept by Columbus in the first round, and then when things relax a little bit, they, things chill out a little bit. You you just do what you need to do to get yourself into the the in, into the playoffs, and then. You go out there and you you have things break your way. You have Andre Vasilevsky hit another gear, another level. That's really what it's all about. So for me, the Golden Knights, if you believe in this roster, and and that's kind of up to you where you, you choose to lean there. When you look at the collection of talent that the Golden Knights have and understanding that there are changes that have to be made because of the salary cap, but there are ways that I think you could look at it and still have a really, really deep team on the ice next season. If you believe in that and you can get yourself to build some chemistry, you can address special teams, that has to be addressed. And I don't think that we're, you know, we're, we're breaking any ground here with that. Like if the Golden Knights can stay healthy and if they can get their special teams to be difference makers throughout the course of the season, then you can realistically put this team in a group of eight or 10 that I think can challenge for the Stanley cup. And that's all you have. That's all. That's the only place you have to be like, you don't have to concern yourself with, do you have to go through Colorado or do you have to go through Calgary or do you have to go through Tampa? You'll get the matchups that you get. And it is what it is in that situation, but you've got to put yourself in that echelon and as long as the Golden Knights can do that next year, they are positioned well for a Stanley Cup run. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. And and I have reason to believe that the power play will be better next season just based on the, the continuity and, and having, you know, knock on wood, a healthy team and being able to to have guys get used to playing with each other. Like, I think that the, the, one of the most difficult things with the power play this year, and look, it, it wasn't very good, right? Like, we, we can be honest about that, but... I think when you look at how many different guys were on each power play unit, there was never a consistent, right? Like when you watch the Washington Capitals, for example, you know, for the most part, who is on power play unit number one. And you know who everything goes through or, you know, who who they're looking to get the puck to. I, I think with having the capability of, of having five guys together at the same time, fully healthy, working together in practice, I think that alone will help the power play. And you do have two, I I would say, two elite guys on the power play in Max Pacioretty and Jack Eichel. Now, I will say this. This offseason is going to be an important one because I I do think continuity has to be there for the Golden Knights, right? Like, we we are talking about the decision of running it back and trying to minimize the amount of players you're taking out of the lineup uh, because of salary cap in order to get the the most amount of players back into the fold next year for the Golden Knights. And I think that that's important. I don't 
think you need to add. I don't think you need to make drastic changes. What I, what I do think needs to happen, though, for the Golden Knights is to have a consistent roster from last year into this one, or one that has minimal changes. Because what when you mention the Washington Capitals, Chapman, like this is a team that's been together, what, five, six, seven years? Like the core of this team has been allowed to go through growing pains. They've been allowed to get better collectively as a group and also as individuals. And when you talk about the power play units and understanding and knowing who's going to be out there in certain situations, you can only get that from a little bit of stability. And I think if that's if that's one word I can use for the offseason of the Vegas Golden Knights, I know there are going to be changes. There have to be because of the salary cap. But try to be as stable with the roster as you possibly can because I think the players absolutely need that going into next year. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting that you mentioned the Washington Capitals because you look at you look at that team and look about how many guys are still on that current team that were on the Stanley Cup team. The core of that team is still there. You look at the Tampa Bay Lightning. Sure, they added players, they subtract players, but for the most part, the core of that team is there. You look at the New York Rangers. They've made moves to bring in good players. But if you look at the core of that team, they've been together for a couple of years. That's how you build a successful and a winning team. I don't think mm-hmm. – I like. I think a lot of people, oh, well, look Look at all the great players they have. They still have to find a way. to. It, it, it's almost like a, a, a puzzle, right? Like you have to find a way to put all the pieces together. The Golden Knights have those pieces. It's just a matter of figuring out how to put them all together to make the to, to complete the puzzle because individually there's a lot of talent on this team. And I think, unfortunately, we, we were kind of robbed of seeing a lot of that individual talent gel together. I think with a full offseason – and, and I think you're right. I, I think obviously there will be changes due to the salary cap, and I think there will be guys who, who we we probably would like to see as part of this team, maybe not be part of this team just because you have to have some, some, some subtraction from the team. But you're going to keep the core of this team together, and I think that's the most important part. I think finding role players is always tricky because you have to find the right guy who fits within that system. But when you keep the core together – I think that that helps you build the winning formula. And the Golden Knights are going to keep Mark Stone. They're still going to have Jack Eichel. They're still going to have Jonathan Marshall. So the heart and soul of this team is going to be there. It's just a matter of finding those those right pieces to, to fill out the roster. But so so my argument, though, is that you have you have made alterations or adjustments to your core Every year for the past, what, three years? Right? Yeah, I mean... I think they, that that's a fair statement. Yeah. You, you, you bring in Mark Stone, he becomes a part of your core. You, you trade for Max Pacioretty, he was a part of your core. Um, you know, you built a core around William Carlson, Jonathan Marcheseau, and Riley Smith, and there's questions on what to do with Riley Smith, who's an unrestricted free agent at the end of this season, whether and re-sign him that that remains to be seen for the Golden Knights. I think it's important. I think that it's a player that needs to be back for this team. Um for continuity, for exactly what I'm talking about here, stability. Uh, but to me, like it, it, it gets to a point where because you've added, and and I'm I'm never gonna fault in in, in kind of like what Pete DeBoer says. You, you're never as a coach gonna complain about spending the cap. Like as somebody that follows a team, I'm never going to complain about a team being interesting. I'm never going to complain about a team recognizing that they have a chance to acquire a player and going out and acquiring that player. I'm just not right. So. With all that being said, I do think there comes a point where you're going to have to 
allow this core to grow together. And in adding Jack Eichel and Alex Petrangelo over the last couple of seasons, you're kind of starting at scratch with the core again. And and you you might have even kind of moved the goalposts a little bit as to who is or isn't the core. So all I'm saying, and, and, and you know, I've, I've gone about this a couple of different ways, but you need to stabilize that core and you need to let it grow. And I think that's going to be the most important thing for the Golden Knights moving forward is that you, you try to minimize the amount of additions and subtractions that need to happen for this roster going into next season so that you allow this team the proper time to grow as individual players, as a collective of players, and as a team that has high expectations and then learning how to get the most out of everybody that's in that locker room to achieve those goals. Yeah, I I, I think you're right. And it's kind of weird if you think about it because a lot of the talk on Tuesday was about getting back to year one and and playing like that team. Reality is, I think Kelly McCrimmon was right. It, it, it long term, it may not have been a successful formula to because there was just so much that went into that first season. You kind of caught lightning in a bottle. But this is a team that went to the Stanley Cup final in year one, and then they kind of reset. Like if you look at it at, at the way they did things, they reset, and yet they're still competitive. They they moved a lot of guys and they brought a lot of other players in, yet they're still highly competitive. I think that's impressive because a lot of times, and you see it in sports all the time, that team. They make the final and they lose and they blow it up. The Golden Knights blew it up, but yet they brought in better players than what they had year one, which is which is really a unique situation. And and I'm just really curious to see. And, and I, I will say this. I hope that with Kelly coming back, it means Pete's coming back because I think Pete should get another chance. I know Pete wants another chance based on what he told us. I hope he gets that chance yeah. because I, I like Pete DeBoer as a coach. I like Pete DeBoer as a guy. And and I think that that he has, he he's been to two Stanley Cup Finals. Coaches like that don't grow on trees. No, they don't. And you know, we we spent a lot of time on Tuesday at the Golden Knights end of season media availability. Uh, Pete mentioned uh, on a number of occasions, Kelly McCrimmon as well, that the that Pete and Kelly would meet later on in the week. So, um, you know, we'll we'll kind of let that. I'm not getting into speculation when it comes to coaching, right? Like it's just not something that we're going to do here. Uh, we'll wait and see on official word and, and all that. But I, I think that there's, there's a lot of, of what you're saying there, Chapman. Like you, you have to determine again, what this core is best at and then build your identity around that. And when you have the amount of talent that the Golden Knights have, and Jack Eichel is the type of player that can do everything. Like he can beat you off the rush. He can hold the puck on his stick in the offensive zone for a long time, work to find seams and angles, and then set players up. I think that the players the Golden Knights have can certainly work within the framework of what Pete DeBoer wants from his team, especially when it comes to the in-zone offense. However, there's going to need to be buy-in from everybody, and I think that it'll be there. And if that's the direction that you want to go, then you've got to lean into it. Much like I'm talking about leaning into being the villain of the NHL, I think that the Golden Knights don't need to dial back the the, the calendar on what their identity is. Build a new identity, right? Like You don't have to be the Golden Misfits right now. You can be what this team does best and get to 
get to being a, a four-line team that holds pucks in the zone forever and ever and ever and battles hard and pushes you around and gets to the front of the net and is imposing to play against. If that's the direction the Golden Knights want to go, I have no doubt they can play there. But you can't really have a hybrid. You've got you've to dig in 100% on one way or another and build around that identity. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of us need to accept it. I think the fans need to accept it. But the misfits are gone. Like, that's not who this team is anymore. There's not a lot of guys who were a part of that, right? There's only a handful. So I I, I think kind of, and and I'm with you, I like the idea of leaning into being the villain and and kind of accept that, that that's who you are at this point. And maybe maybe you can change the minds of people, but like William Carlson said, he doesn't really care. He actually kind of likes it. But yeah, I I, I mean, it it, it is going to take a buy-in. And I think that that Kelly, Pete, and the team will get on the same page in training camp. And I, I, I mean, look, obviously you have to give players a little bit of leeway and some creativity because you have guys who guys like Shea Theater who have that ability to to make magical plays. Jack Eichel, who who has the ability to make a magical play, I think there has to be a little bit of leeway on that end and and give players a little bit more creative opportunity but I still think you have to have a fully bought in team look it doesn't matter what sport you play whether it's football hockey soccer if the team doesn't buy in there's not going to be success if everybody's doing their own thing yeah. there, there, there's no success in that no I, I I'm I'm with you right there and you know I I do want to play a couple of cuts here from the the media day and and the one that I'm looking at first and foremost is Alec Martinez on whether or not he thinks that this team, this Golden Knights team that has been assembled, can get back to where they feel they belong among the NHL's elite. I do. Um, you know, I, I, I never lost confidence in this group. I think um, in, in more ways than one, this was a very different year. Um, there are a lot of ups and downs and... Uh, both from an individual standpoint, obviously, but as a team, um, and I would, I, I, I would, I would say that I'm not the only one that's going to tell you that. Um, that said, I mean, we're still sitting here, and it's May third, and um, we're not playing, and that's, you know, especially for this group, that's unacceptable, and um, you know, I think that. There's, uh, I think there's a fair amount of little things that that need to improve, you know, uh, across the board in a lot of different categories. But I think we have a good grasp on that. I think that, um, you know, I think that this can be a, a learning experience. And I said it a week ago, and it was in a different context, but somewhat similar. That, you know, it. In this game, you you face adversity. I mean, there's no doubt about this. This sucks. You know, you don't want to be watching hockey this time of year. But um, you know, with that adversity, it comes opportunity. It comes a challenge. And and said, I never I never doubted this group for a second in that regard. And 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 I think that guys will, you know, utilize this in the right way. Whether that be getting healthy, whether that be working on their game, whether that be you know, improving anything team-wise, individual-wise. Um, you know, I think that the one thing about this group, is there's never been a lack of work, uh, work ethic. There's never been um, anything like that. 
and and I and I, you know I'm, I'm confident in the group that that we will embrace this opportunity and get better and come back stronger for it. And I know probably sounds a lot like they're like a lot of BS, but it's it's um, it actually is true. And if guys approach this the right way, then um, you know we can utilize this to uh, be better going forward. I think not making the playoffs is humbling, especially in a season where you dealt with adversity and you were cup contenders going in. And a lot of what Alec Martinez talks about there is is not just the setback, but using it to fuel you for next year and and then leaning into what you do well, and that is working hard. So, uh, you know, I, I found the, the, the commentary from Alec Martinez to be um, just really grounding um, as as is – usually the case with him when it comes to any type of interview that he does. Yeah, Ryan. I mean, he he's a guy who I think brings a lot of intelligence into the locker room. A very a, a lot of uh, – he's very even-keeled, it seems. But he's also a guy who understands what a grind it is and, and how difficult it is to, to win a championship because he's done that, but he's also missed the playoffs – a couple of times in his career. So he understands how much that sucks. And he strikes me as a guy who I, I, I think what he was saying is, look, yeah, we missed the playoffs, but we need to use this as an opportunity to get better as a team, yeah. to get better as players. Because a lot of what he said in there is, is look, I don't want to go through this again. I've gone through it a few times in my career, and I hate the fact that we're sitting home on May the 4th and or May the 5th and we're watching the, the, the playoffs. We're not participating in the playoffs. I think a guy like yeah. that has the respect in the locker room just because of the way he plays and how he always lays it out there. I think guys will listen to him. I think guys respect the way he is. I think they respect his accomplishments, and I think a lot of players will, especially the younger guys. I mean, you hear Zach Whitecloud all the time talking about just how much a guy like Martinez means in the locker room. Yeah, you're you're right on the money there, Chapman. And you know, you get you have two cup rings. Like you're going to be listened to in, in general. But you know, the the respect I think that Alec Martinez has in that room and just his his ability to put it in simple terms. Every single thing is an opportunity to get better. If you win a Stanley Cup, it's still an opportunity to get better. If you are if you don't make the playoffs, it's an opportunity to get better. And now the Golden Knights have a long off season in which they are presented opportunities individually to get better, and then you've got a training camp that hopefully collectively they can get better. Last cut that we're going to play, then we're going to take a break, is Max Pacioretty and him kind of leaning into the same area. Do the Golden Knights have the guys in the room to have success? As I said more than twice, we have the guys in this room to have success. We believe in that. We've had success the last two years. Obviously, my first year didn't have the uh, – playoff result we wanted but we felt we were right there to compete with anyone and uh, you know you, you lose a couple of heads here and there and switch a couple guys out that doesn't mean that the whole identity of the team changes um, uh, we're you know dealt a pretty uh, pretty crappy hand at times this year but uh, that being said I thought uh, a lot of the guys that stepped up and stepped into those roles uh, was Shizen, Ronberg, a couple of those guys uh, uh, stepped up and played really good hockey. And it's not a knock on them. It's uh, 
more a fact that uh, our identity has you know, been the same for a couple of years and, and we're forced to get away from that. So I, you know, I think it's interesting because I, to a degree, I, I, I agree with Max in that you, you don't, when you add pieces and you add players here and there, it doesn't completely change your identity at all. But I do think that the amount of tinkering from the Golden Knights over the last couple of seasons has changed the dynamic a little bit. And that's not a bad thing, but you need time to be able to really grow within that new dynamic. And I think that's really, for me, the most important thing over the course of the offseason through training camp and into next year. You have to minimize the amount of changes that have to be made for this roster and this team going into next year. And I think you have to maybe take a little bit of the expectations off. And and I do expect that missing the playoffs this year will do that just inherently. But I think you need to allow this team to grow together. And that the only way you're going to do that is with, with as minimal changes as possible. Yeah, a lot of what he, Max said there is very similar to what you were kind of echoing a little bit before, where you, you need to allow that core to grow. And, and yeah, there's going to be changes, but they have to be minimal. And the, the, I think the good thing is you did get guys NHL experience this year to where if you go through a little bit of an injury bug, like may, hopefully nothing like what you went through this year, but guys are going to get hurt. It's just the nature of the game. But you have a, a couple of young players who now have that NHL experience, right? Like you look back throughout the history of the Golden Knights, they never had young minor league players who had to come up. They they had guys like Tomas Hurt, Tomas Hika, who who had played in the NHL. Guys like Brandon Peary, who played in the NHL when they when they got hit with injuries, they were able to lean on those guys. Well, now Jonas Rombierg and and Jake Lecision are going to be like those type of players because they will have that NHL experience. And you know, I I think the two of those guys have proven that that. While they're not going to be superstars, they're certainly more than capable of being NHL players. And hopefully those two guys use the opportunity of the offseason to go make themselves better players because I have a feeling they're going to want to make this roster out of camp next year. And there's going to be a lot of competition for for spots. And I think those two guys are, are, are going to be very hungry, and, and hopefully this is a learning experience for them as well. Yeah, no, you're, you're right on the money there, Chapman. We're going to take a break. We'll come back with one-timers next on the VGK Insider Show. Maybe a two-on-one. Petrangelo gets it. He shoots. He scores. It's time for one-timers. One-timers. Short-handed goal. Alex Petrangelo. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day on the VGK Insider Show. Alrighty, here we go. One-timers brought to you by Paul Powell. More lawyers, less fee. Our look around the NHL, news and notes, little stories here and there. And, you know, what I've what I've loved doing here with this segment at the beginning of the playoffs is uh, overreactions. Playoff overreactions. Game-to-game overreactions, underreactions, zero reactions, um, indifference, whatever you want to call it. So let's go with night three, which was last night in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Chris Chapman, are the Boston Bruins done? No. No, because they are going no. back home. No, really? they're, they're not. They're, really? Look, they, they, they've been blown out in the first two games, but sure. they're going back home, and uh-huh. if they win two games at home, all of a sudden we have a series. I, I mean, look, if you're if you're the Bruins, <laughs> you have to throw out the first two games and say, look, we, we're, we're going home. 
I understand we we, yeah. we got torched in both games, but we're pretty good at home. This we're comfortable okay. at home. We've got we've got crazy rabid fans behind us. All right. So here's the thing. I don't want to I don't, don't want to overreact. That I, believe, <laughs> I don't know that I believe that the Bruins are done. They'll, they will go to Jeremy Swayman instead of Linus Olmark. Yeah, probably not a bad idea. Uh, well, I think you got to like, shake I, things I, up. I get it. You got. I mean, not that. I, 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 and the funny thing is, gonna, I don't think Olmark has been terrible. He hasn't been. That's the problem. Like the reason that I, I I'm leaning toward Boston not doing anything in this series is not because they've been torched and they're they're letting up a bunch. Uh, they're, they're letting in a bunch of goals which I don't actually believe are all on Linus Olmark. What what I think is the problem is the Bruins can't score. Like, they are not able to be dangerous offensively at all against the Carolina Hurricanes. And, you know, the Hurricanes have great underlying numbers. They possess the puck a ton. Maybe it's just not in the cards for the Bruins, but, like, they've got three goals in two games, and that's not going to be enough no matter how well Jeremy Swayman plays in games three and four. So... The Bruins need to start to find a way to be a little bit more dangerous offensively. Otherwise, a change in goal is not going to save them. Yeah, it's the old story. Look, it doesn't matter. The goalie could let in three goals, but if you don't score, it it, it doesn't matter, right? So, um, you know, it's interesting with them. You're right. They they do have to find a way. And look, Bruce Cassidy is a really good coach. He's a guy who's taken a team to Stanley Cup Finals. He, He knows how to get there. I, I think he will make adjustments. I think the team will make adjustments, and they'll, they'll find a way to make it competitive. Look, I don't know if they win the series. I mean, they, they, they are in a hole, but I, I do think they'll they'll find a way to make it competitive and interesting. If they get blown out tomorrow, yeah, right. I take that all back. Eh. Really? <laughs> yeah, really? if they if they get You're killed gonna... tomorrow, I, I give up. <laughs> That's okay. That's ridiculous. Like you shouldn't do that. No, no. I, I mean, look. If 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 they make adjustments, they make changes, they make the change in goal, and they still get smoked, maybe you just have to uh-huh. say Carolina's better. Okay. Second question for you, Chris Chapman, in terms of the playoffs, um, is is Connor McDavid built for playoff hockey? Oh man, that's that's tough. I mean, look, I don't I don't know how you bet against Connor McDavid at anything. When it involves uh, playing, I'm not playing about his hockey, skill set. no, no, no. I, I mean, I'm not talking about his skill set. He did, he did deliver a big hit last night. Um, not, not just a big hit, Chapman. Connor McDavid's stat line yesterday was impressive. Yeah, he had the, two assists. He was a plus three. He had one penalty, which probably should have been at least a, a probably should have been a major uh, for boarding Mikey Anderson. <laughs> but here's the thing had two shots on goal one shot missed then one shot was blocked two were missed the net so he had in total five shot attempts and four hits four <laughs> hits for Connor McDavid in a playoff game like I I swear I'm not joking here I don't think Connor McDavid had four hits over the course of an 82 game regular season but for whatever reason he was playing with a burr up his saddle and I wonder if Connor McDavid needs intensity to be that guy. I wonder if playoff hockey is turning him into a better player. You know, you might be right because he's a guy who, who what is he always accused of? Being boring, right? Like, oh, he's yeah. got no personality. Well, yeah. if this is the Connor McDavid we're going to see, he's going to let his personality talk on the ice. 
And and mm-hmm. it was it, it was it was interesting to see the the way, and look I mean Edmonton responded right like they they absolutely destroyed the Kings last night so maybe maybe yeah. maybe a little bit of a Vander Kane is rubbing off on him I don't know but I kind of like I kind of like the edge I I I, I look it's the playoffs you got to dial up the intensity yeah. and sure I I like it so I want to dial it back to to Darren's question because I answered it in in the best way that I could and I I almost sent this tweet out yesterday but I didn't you don't think there's a villain right now in the the Stanley Cup playoffs is that correct I I think there are players that you will root against and me personally I I would root against specific teams based on the circumstances and situations but I don't think there's 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 not a team that that you root against it's hard like and I think maybe Maybe because of what we do, we we kind of lose sight of, of being a fan a little bit. But uh-huh. I, I don't know. It's just there's there's not unlikable teams. Like so like like I, in years past, there've been unlikable teams. So I said Colorado maybe, and like I, I don't even fully believe in that now. Like will team the d- d- fans on the East Coast like dislike the Colorado Avalanche though? Or is that just primarily I a Vegas that, thing? No, I think that there's a fair number of hockey fans that, for whatever reason, legitimately don't like Nathan McKinnon. Um, and by extension, the Colorado Avalanche. And, and like, I think I think your your point about individual players and that rubbing off on, on the team is, is a good one. Uh, but I, like, I'll say this. I think Colorado maybe Edmonton for sure. And, and it's funny because Edmonton hasn't won anything. And they've got two of the best players in the world, but Leon Dreisaitl might be one of the most unlikable superstars in the game today. Do you agree with that? I, I think he's he's definitely got a personality that probably does rub people the wrong way. Um, you know, it was Do weird. Do you think Leon Dreisaitl is likable? I, no, I, I guess I don't. And I, I like, like the fact that he scored like in game number one, the fact that he scored a goal and then slashed Sean Dursey after <laughs> yeah. scoring a goal, like chill out, buddy. You're yeah. fine. He's, okay. he's, he's a bit rigid, but you know, it's funny because yeah. those two guys at the all-star game, they were really not interested in being there. They were really not interested in, in participating. You could tell. And I could pick it up in the media session after. Neither one of those guys wanted to be there. And I guess when you lose and you have that much that those high expectations year in year out, <laughs> I guess it kind of pisses yeah. you off a little bit. Yeah, I I feel like it might be the Edmonton Oilers. I I don't know why. Well, because again, they also have a Vander Kane, who who is definitely won. not well liked by by a lot of people. That's fair. Like I think there there are a fair number of of individual players that are unlikable on the Oilers. But usually when you don't win and like you lose in comical fashion, <laughs> you don't become unlikable. And yet here we are with the Edmonton Oilers and and I think that they're probably going to advance. Like they're probably going to move on and everyone's going to be rooting against them. And they've never done like they haven't done it. Like, that's fascinating to me. Like, I would venture to guess that if it came down to Edmonton, Tampa, there's a fair amount of people that would rather see the Tampa Bay Lightning three-peat than the Edmonton Oilers win a Stanley Cup. I'm one of them. 
I, w- I would rather see Tampa me. win. That 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 is absolutely. Astounding. I mean, I'm I'm rooting right, for the Kings in the series. No, I, I mean, I, I think that that's fair. I, I do. I, I just it's weird to me that the Oilers are unlikable. That, that like that's the only thing that I, I keep coming back to. Is like, <laughs> how in the world is this team that has the two two of the best players on the planet? So unlikable when they've never won anything. Well, like Chapman, that was their first playoff win in their last eight playoff <laughs> games. <laughs> the, the 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 question though is, and I, I remember when Sidney Crosby came into the league, there were a lot of people rooting against him too, and and I, and I never understood why people rooted against generational talent like Sidney Crosby, and and yeah. with and and Sid, I think has a lot more personality. I, I, I kind of like the sarcasm. That's, that's that's saying a lot. I know, man. I know. But 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 to be but to be honest with you, like to be fair, kind of pulling the curtain back a little bit, because you and I have, have been in the room with Sidney Crosby a couple of times. The at dude least, is hilarious. At least he smiles. He he's he's really funny. Yes. He just is very 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 guarded with when he lets that come out. Like, like I remember the I whole thing with with PK Subban and the bad breath. I think I think Sid <laughs> played along, and he was so yeah. dry that I think he yeah. was he was just playing along with it. Like, okay, guy, you know, like it was so funny. Yeah. And I I think Sid was just so dry, almost in like a Monty Python humor type of way. That right. I, I think that was that's just his sense of humor. And I mean, I've seen him smile. I don't know if I've ever seen Connor McDavid smile. Yeah, he does. Um, <laughs> last one here. The last one here. You have to pick. <laughs> you have to pick one of these two teams. Oh no! To even their series tonight, Nashville <laughs> or Dallas. <laughs> Who are you picking, Chapman? You have to pick one. I'm, I'm gonna pick Dallas only because they lost uh, one nothing, and they, they the game wasn't score. over five minutes in. Yes, <laughs> it was. Chapman, that's the difference, though. It was over five minutes in, in because you want to know what happened five minutes in? <laughs> they were scored, yeah. and there was no chance Dallas was going to score another goal. I, I I feel like maybe Dallas gets a gets a lucky bounce or something. Look, I I, I, I don't know. I I think they've got a better chance at winning tonight than Nashville does. I think Nashville gets their doors blown off again. Those are your one-timers for Thursday, May 5th, brought to you by Paul Powell. More lawyers, less fee. We'll wrap it up next with Catching Up with Chapman. When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. All right. Well, yesterday was uh, May 4th. May the 4th be with you. Today is May 5th, a.k.a. Cinco de Mayo. You know, to me, there's nothing more annoying than when people tell you, oh, it's not even a real holiday in Mexico. Well, I don't know why we celebrate it. Who cares? It's an excuse to go out and drink, have fun. I'm not, I, I'm I'm going to go home. I'm going to walk up to the store. I'm going to get some fish tacos and I'm going to celebrate my fake holiday with with a couple of beers and some fish tacos like why do people get so bent out of shape about the fact that Cinco de Mayo is not a real holiday in Mexico who cares it's an excuse to drink St. Patrick's Day is an excuse to drink too we embrace that let's embrace Cinco de Mayo 
Okay. Um, like I'm with you there, but I'm a little mad at you. Why? Because you said you said fish tacos, and now yes. the only thing that my brain will allow me to think about over the course of the remainder of, of this program and probably <laughs> tonight is fish taco. Like how do how do you how do you enjoy a fish taco, Chad? Like what what is your quintessential? fish taco well you gotta have the cabbage i like a mix of red and sure. and green cabbage uh a little yep. lime juice it's gotta have like a little bit of chipotle sauce or whatever that baja uh. seasoning sauce that they put on there a little spice yeah. not too much mm-hmm. but like it, that creamy kind of spicy sauce that's it's orange i don't know what the hell they make it with but it's good <laughs> you know it's 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 fun <laughs> I, I i like it and and i'm telling you I am. I never yeah. thought, as a guy who grew up in New Jersey, I couldn't imagine eating fish tacos. I'm hooked. Sure. Like I absolutely love fish tacos. Little deep fried halibut. Like is. Mm. Is that your is that your default taco? It could be. It, it very well could be. Yeah. I like I like seafood. So like shrimp. I've had lobster tacos. Mm. I'm telling you. Yeah. A little seafood on that tortilla. It's got to be soft. Soft tortilla. Sure. Little 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 cabbage that that spice oh it's 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 great and you wash it down with a beer. I I like Dos Equis. I'm a I'm a big Dos Equis guy. But uh, yeah, that's Man. gonna be that's gonna be my uh, my Thursday night. My wife it's, is excited. Uh, it worries me. It worries me that I said you're Jar Jar Binks because it sounds like you and I are cut from the same cloth. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> sucks for me. Anyway, we'll be back with you tomorrow. An abbreviated VGK Insider Show tomorrow right here on Fox Sports Las Vegas.